0: Our next speaker, I think most of you know, is Corinna Kim. She has a master's degree in social work from the University of Pennsylvania and a Ph.D. in social welfare from the School of Social Welfare at Stony Brook University. She's taught a wide range of subjects in addition to working as a psychotherapist, public health administrator, and advocate. Corinna has done volunteer work helping both seniors and juveniles and people in between. Um, and um, if all of her accomplishments aren't enough, uh, you can also go to her to have your dog or cat groomed. Uh, she's certified in dog and cat grooming.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it's always good to have humor in
0: life.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, life is hard as it is. I think we need to laugh sometimes, right? So I laugh all the time. And I deal with very serious issues, so I have to laugh. And I deal with a lot of children and parents. and, and uh, you know, serious issues like suicide prevention, of suicide. So I've always realized that if I don't have a sense of humor, I'm not going to survive. I'm just going to go to Hawaii and groom cats and dogs my whole life. Because <laughs> I know some people go there to retire. So, so I wanted to um, definitely tell you that. I am not an expert on caregiving, but the reason why I became familiar with caregiving in the Korean community—speaker cross. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why I—I'm uh, not an expert in caregiving, but the reason why I got familiar with caregiving in the Korean community is because I not only volunteered with the Korean communities ever since, like I don't know, since I was ten or eleven. Um, I also had um, a grandmother. My father's mother had Parkinson's since I was a teenager. And so I kind of partially took care of her with a home health aid was you know she wasn't always there. But I was exposed since I was in like, high school. Um, right now, and also my my father died of diabetes, and he had a lot of uh, complications with that. And I moved back to New York because I wanted to be closer to him because, you know, he he was suffering a lot. Right now, I'm taking care of my mother, who has two broken legs. So, do you see why I need humor? So, I, I took, I, my mom lives with me in a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment in Queens, and I moved from New Jersey to do so. Um, it's been six months of struggling, but lots of love, and learning how to cook very bad Korean food. So, she <laughs> says, she, I said, um, so how was it? Because Korean people are not really very familiar with saying thank you all the time, or, oh, <laughs> or tastes good. So I have to ask her because I'm Americanized and I need to have communication to feel good about what I, all the hard work I did for, for horrible food. She'll be like, it's a little it's like oh my something you oh, six years of this I mean six years I feel like it's six years it's a Freudian slip. So it's been six months. But anyway. But I also came into caregiving issues because um, I did my dissertation on Korean males, the firstborn only son, but Really, I studied the females as well as the males because I also interviewed the sisters because I didn't want to leave the women out because the women definitely have a big role in caregiving, obviously. But when I interviewed for uh, like about a total of, I would say, about 130 uh, Korean males and Chinese, I compared it with Chinese, Korean males, females, and Chinese, so half and half, um, I some people all over the Northeast, some people came from California, and almost every single Korean male or female, no, male, told me in the interviews that they had to be the ones to take care of their elderly parents if they were the only son or the oldest son. So the Changnam had a big role in their. In the expectations of what they had to do once they once their parents got older and couldn't take care of themselves as well as they used to, so I kept hearing the same theme, and I just I didn't realize that my my friends in high school, at junior high school, grammar school were saying were see, feeling that, not always overt clear messages. You have to take care of me when you when you when I get older. But it was always an understated, an understood, understated, but sometimes overstated uh, statement that the sons had that burden. But the other part of that was um, they didn't think of it as a burden. But the, the 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 side issue of that was they had the expectations and they were treated really well as children, but as older adults it didn't always turn out that the sons or the only sons, the firstborn sons or only sons, took care of their elderly parents. It ended up being more of the sisters, or possibly nursing homes, or the parents try to take care of themselves as much as possible to not burden the children. So there's a lot of interesting reality issues of what they were treated like, how they were treated by parents within their role of what they expected. So, 부모님들이 요구하는 건 이렇게 높았어요. So, 장남. But, so the, the parents who are having, you know, parents have such high expectations of the firstborn or only sons, but then as time went on, it seemed like not, it wasn't just the only sons who took on that burden and role and privilege. So I, I felt like there were so many psychological issues, and, and I, I gave a lot of credit to the, um, the first born only sons growing up, because I, I, I went to Stuyvesant High School, and 50% of the, the um, students were Asian, and of that, like, half of them must have been Korean, it felt like. And so because of that, I knew so many guys who said, who were like the leaders in their families, they would even buy flowers for their mother because their fathers were so busy working. And the fathers weren't, you know, trained in the American way. you got to get flowers for Valentine's Day and things like that. And the, the sons had a big role. I was, I was surprised. And they were helping with the family store if they had a business. I mean, they did a lot. So I had to give them a lot of credit. But then the girls, they were doing all the housework, the dishes, the helping with the cleaning. They were also helping with the store. But, but they were definitely different things that I found. And I'm going to show you that. First. But before I show that before I show you some of that um, stuff, I want to show you Bobby from Nancy. Anybody know Bobby D from Nancy Me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh but I don't want I don't wanna show you violence. I so let me start from where I really want to show it to you. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Hey, Nicole, how was your summer? Oh, it was great, Bobby. Thanks for asking. Um, it's actually kind of cool. I opened a show on Broadway with Martin Short called Fame Becomes Me.
2: Okay, this is what I just heard. So.
1: Okay. Well, that's not anywhere near what I just said. So you might not have been paying attention. But did did you do something better than that this uh, summer? I'm a little better.
2: I was the star of a soap opera. Big deal.
1: Oh wow, really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, which i uh, the beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Young and the Restless? Nope. No, Days of Our Lives.
2: No, it's called Attitudes and Feelings, Both Desirable and Sometimes Secretive.
1: Okay, I've, I've never heard of that
2: one. It's huge in Korea, and if you Woo! work at a nail salon or a liquor store, you'll see it. I
0: think you're making it
2: up. All right, well then, just take a look. <laughs>
0: So, 안녕하세요, 닥터분 즐거운 지금은 축하합니다 <웃음> 내가 지금 한번 못해요 제가 지금은 의사한테 고백할 일이 있습니다 내가 지금 너무
2: 지금은 캣파야. 지금은
1: On the captions, so it's making fun of Koreans not really being forthcoming and honest about communication, about how they really feel. Because you know, maybe they don't want to burden people, they don't want to make a big scene, and they just don't want to put it all out there. So this is something that definitely um, impacts whether it's caregiving issues or psychology of Korean-Americans, but I think it's really fun and funny to see it this way. But there's another another part of this I wanted to show you. Let me get to
0: that part.
1: Yes. Now it's just about PTSD. He lost his, his girlfriend, and then he's reenacting the same image. He needs some therapy for trauma, the poor thing. And she died. I mean, she, he thought she died. <laughs> yes. Huh?
2: 내내 대통령 진수유케, 경조, 남만, 윤타원.
0: 중... 너내 사랑은 당신 모지에 왜 왔냐? 어? 내 사랑 주고 계잖아. 나한테 나 사랑한다.
1: because Korean society, Korean culture has so much of this Confucianism of respecting those who are presidents or older persons. So there is that level of respect that is expected within the culture. So then tying that to caregiving, they really, you know, the older, older parents expect their children as part of society and culture and history that that because you know they did everything when the children were younger, that as you become older the children will take care of you. Right? So that's the expectation. But this is just showing how much, you know, respecting and bowing and all these titles and everything. I think it's kind of funny. Okay, and then let me get to this
2: part. (laughs) 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 Wait, wait, Maomi, I'll pull
0: you.
1: when they're depressed. <laughs> Um, we will stop with the silliness now. Okay, so, so do do you um do you identify with with these with these clips with Korean culture? Does that make sense? I think this is really funny, so I had to show you because uh, it's really fun. Um, I wanted to tell you that as I get through the slides, let me see here. Do you remember if it's F5 to make the computer? computer? I don't remember. You can double click. I I am double clicking, but it's not opening up. Oh, thank
0: you. Okay.
1: All right. Okay, so um, I'm just gonna get started because we are we already spoken up. I don't wanna take up all the time. But I'm just wondering with a show of hands, how many people do you um, if In your families, how many people in your families, if you have a sister or brother, how many of those caregivers are women? Can somebody, can people raise their hands? Who is the caregiver, who was the caregiver or is the caregiver for your older parents? Whether they're in the US or Korea, how many of you have siblings who are female who are caregivers, can you raise your hand? So females, only like, five six seven maybe like seven okay how about males who are the male killed caregivers of their older parents okay i only see one (laughs) well i'm i'm wondering because i want to know what the reality is because the reality is always more interesting um versus the data because the expectations might not be there but we don't know what really happens um so um, Leslie already experienced, I mean, you already explained that, that I have different experiences. But I worked at Falshing Hospital Outpatient Mental Health Clinic while I was doing my PhD for seven years, and I worked also with Korean patients there. Um, and there was a lot of this, um, what I just showed you with Bobby Lee, the video clips of not really speaking a lot. So there was a lot of like, really uh, repressed feelings, a lot of frustrating, difficult situations, and I experienced a lot of them needing to take Prilosec, a lot of the GI medications, because they had a lot of stomach upset and acid reflux, so a lot of the um, mental health Korean patients had psychosomatic symptoms because of mental health um, issues and stress. In in America, right at around now, it's um, 1.4 million Korean Americans, and as of 2010, 140,000 were Korean seniors in America. Okay, and about 20 percent of the seniors are uh, of elders are supported by families. So we wonder where the rest of them are, right? Usually people try to stay within their own homes and that's really what happens, right? That people try to take care of themselves. They don't, nobody wants to be a burden. These days, it's also in Korea because of the economy as well as in the US, it's it's becoming more difficult for children to take care of older parents if they don't have good financial income. So that's been another reason why that, you know, it's hard to take an older parent and when you have your own children, your own financial difficulties, your house, you know, you have to pay your mortgage, and your children have to get karate lessons, tutoring, everything else, piano lessons. Um, in two thousand and ten, the census only shows two thousand two hundred eighty one Koreans in nursing homes in the U. S. Um, so, language is a problem for for uh, seniors because if sixty percent of people who are not seniors in the U. S. are not proficient in English, can you imagine the seniors? you know, at their age because it was hard for them to come here anyway and then to adapt and learn English. Uh, and 60% might be a little bit high. It might be even higher because I, I've done a lot of research with um, Korean-Americans who were younger and they told me that I, I found like 90% of the parents were not proficient in, in English who were in America for at least 10, 20, 30 years. Um, so, <clears throat> and also about social programs like the benefits and food stamps, it's hard for them to navigate. It's hard for anybody to navigate, and then when you have a language barrier, it's even more difficult. So in Korea, I just wanted to set a little bit of a picture in Korea, 50% of Koreans in Korea are uh, living in poverty, Um, so the attitudes have changed. In 2000, 90% of children believed they should care for their parents, this is a government um, poll. But in 2014, only 37% of the children believe that they should take care of their elderly parents. I don't know if anybody knows Sodemun. Do they know Sodemun? So they said there's about 9,000 older persons living alone in in an area. And they have about 30 calls a day for suicide issues. The staff, um, staff the calls. and even the new president, the female president, she, she started this initiative. I'm not sure if it really panned out because that's what they were hoping for. But they're giving, for the 70% of the poorest Korean elders, they're getting some money. It might not be a lot, but you know, even 200 could be helpful.
0: What's the mm-hmm. uh, income definition uh, of no. poverty?
1: Oh, well, in America, I think it's under 20000 a year. In Korea, it's hard to know because um, it's, it's very subjective. I mean, rent in Korea is probably just as high as New York City. And you have to pay up front at least a year, right? Is that true? I mean, a lot of places, they want one full year's of rent up front. And it's a whole financial issue in Korea. And because the economy is not doing so well, and people are really working hard, but they're not getting the, the pay that they work for. So, so to take care so of the person. Cut um, I don't know so the cutoff in cut Korea. Cut off. Oh, well, oh, you're talking about benefits or oh, subsidies yes. so or help. They, they have not had regular systematic me- um, supplemental income in Korea, so they're just starting to have that conversation. Is that true? I'm sure um, more of you know more about this than I do, but that's what I've understood over the years because I've been following it. So, for this president to initiate this kind of initiative with having supplemental income is, I think, it's a big deal. I've never heard of it, so. Um, okay. So, suicide in Korea for 65 55 years and older, it's jumped almost four times in 2010. So. Obviously, everybody knows about Confucianism, so I don't need to go through this, but that was really why I wanted to show you the Lee, because there's so much of the respect for older persons ingrained in Korean society and every East Asian professor I've talked to at Stony Brook, because I spoke to a lot of them while I was doing my dissertations, I wanted to know what am I looking at, is this true, you know, how about Chinese studies? And they said, of all the East Asian countries, Korea was the closest follower of Confucianism. <laughs> and Koreans have really stuck to it and never let it go. But it looks like they're letting it go a little bit more these days, correct? As far as we know about the trends of attitudes and beliefs. Um, Korean parents, so this is, this is an editorial that Jo Son had. They said, it's a ludicrous custom where parents sell their future to support their children. So I see so many parents, Korean parents in America sacrifice so much, they barely take vacation. And I'm talking about people who make a, you know, maybe like working class, um, middle class income. If, if Koreans are at a, a higher echelon of income security, then it's not as uh, difficult because maybe they already have 401Ks building up. But for a lot of Koreans, especially the ones I grew up with in New York City, they don't have the 401Ks. They don't have health insurance, so because of that, they just—it's a—it's a big um, sacrifice. So I actually grew up with a lot of because I grew up with a lot of Korean um, people, I had a lot of female friends whose fathers passed away at age sixty of a heart attack, high blood pressure. It was very common, and I, I just almost felt like—is this—is this predetermined? Is it, how does it happen like that? Well. What I, as I became more interested in learning at, at the research level and, you know, finding out and clinical level, it said it's they just didn't get a break and also being the, the father, having to be the breadwinner, um, and they just worked so hard. They just didn't get a chance to rest and take care of themselves. And because they didn't have health insurance, they didn't do the preventive medication, the med- medicine, so they weren't taken care of, you know, before it got too bad. Um, so the expectation was, Our children, Korean-American older parents, were thinking their children were going to be this old age insurance, right? And that was what I found in the dissertations also because, uh, the dissertation research also, because every single um, firstborn or only son said that I'm going to take care of my parents when when they're older. They don't have a retirement savings. They don't have any savings because they because a lot of the Koreans I interviewed, not all of them, but a lot of them went to really good schools. They went to Penn, they went to Harvard, they went to Yale, they went to Princeton, um, and then the other ones went to Stony Brook, because I had a Stony Brook sample as well, and then I had other people at different schools, but they knew how much their parents sacrificed. So all that money didn't go into retirement. So now the Koreans in you know, Korea are thinking, that's crazy, save your money, don't go crazy, Stop spending it all on your kids when you need to have it for your future, because who's gonna take care of you? Okay, so um, this is just for my dissertation research and I'm gonna end with that. So don't worry, we're almost done, because I know I've taken a lot of time. So t- these are some of the themes that kept coming over and over. The tang nams, the first or only sons, usually had more time from their parents, more attention, more feelings of, they felt more feelings of love by their parents and relatives. Every time the relatives would come over, they get all the attention. Oh, so what are you gonna do today, Paul? Or what are you gonna do in the future? You're gonna become a doctor or a lawyer. So they would really talk to them and give them a lot of praise. But the girls would not get as much attention, and um, the sons would get more money, more material gifts, and sometimes faster and better food. I remember this interview. we said that the this sister said, "Yeah, my, my brother asked for bulgogi for that meat, and then um, like Korean stir fry meat." And then I asked for like top chair or something like a noodle dish, and my mom gave my brother his dish first, <laughs> so I had to wait for my favorite dish because he he was priority. And um, so the chesa, the, the burial ritual in Korean culture, the Korean the firstborn and only sons always had to be part of that, so they had to be present. You know, some people do chesa like every year, um, responsibly for younger or female siblings. So they would say things like. You have to bring um, all your pollen bring bring. You have to bring pollen spring water bottles for your sister because she's in college. You have to take care of her, and she would be only one year younger. And the sons would have to do all this protection, caregiving, and so the sons. A lot of these college students were really resenting that role because they're thinking, "I won't have fun. I, why am I taking care of my younger sister? That's not what I should be doing. Not her parent, but a lot of them ended up being that way." But some of them like that role. Being a role model for siblings and sisters and cousins, especially if they're oldest. So if the male succeeded and went to a good school, good career, that this was one of the highlights of you know, their, their success was really highlighted in the family. So it was important that they do that. They were also a peacemaker, mediator, family facilitator. So when a family had a fight with another relative, like you know, emos, uncles, they would have fights. They would have the son be in the middle and mediate and call and say, okay, let's get together, you know what I mean? And they were young still, even the high school, junior high school kids sometimes would be given that, that role, which is great for leadership skills, so it's not always bad. Taking care of parents when they're older and need um, financial and other assistance. I knew a, um, <clears throat> an interviewee who uh, worked at the family store business for at least 10 years of his life, and he never got married and he, they moved to South America, and he didn't finish his college education, and all the other brothers who were younger did everything else. They got homes, they got wives, they had children, and so the oldest son was stuck in that role and they sacrificed a lot. Um, also, the Korean males versus Korean females were always expected to marry a Korean girl, especially because of the language issues. And they were expected to, you know, have written down the family name, so it was always with the family name. We kept hearing that so many times. Some, and the girls didn't, it didn't matter, as long as you find someone who's gonna take care of you. Some felt their role was suffocating and that it wasn't fair to take care of younger siblings because their age difference wasn't big. Many felt that they were stressed due to the burden of their roles. And They would sometimes get GI issues, headaches, obsessive-compulsive issues, because they had to be perfect and never felt good enough. Um, I, I interviewed a lot of guys who went to law school in their 30s, and um, also was they were in pre-medical, um, like they wanted to do medical school, so after they um, finished their master's degree in business. They wanted to go back to medical school because they didn't think it was good enough. So, and and a guy from Penn who was very depressed. His the father was a doctor, but he finished med school. He was also part of the study. And the father said, "Why couldn't you make it to Princeton or Harvard? I don't understand what happened to you." So he thought going to Penn was a real disappointment. He, ever since then he's been depressed his whole life. Actually, he also didn't go to a top high school a top grammar school starting first grade. He didn't test into a really good grammar school in first grade, and ever since then, the parents have said, you can't you can't be a failure. You have to do, you have to get into that school. So it started really young, and no wonder he was on antidepressants for the rest of his life. He's in, he's like maybe, by now he should be 40-something. Now he's doing business-related MD stuff. So he, is, he has an MD, didn't do residency or anything like that, but he still felt like a failure. I almost kind of did therapy with him because he was so depressed, anyway. Um, so this here, and um, probably one or two more slides. Firstborn only sons, other things where they wish they had a role model. So I asked them at the end of the interview, I said, what do you think would help you in your role of being the firstborn or only son? And they said, I wish, you know, you, are you going to have a group of other Tamnams, other males, firstborn only sons? Because I want to know if my experience is the same, because this is the first time that anyone's ever asked them about their role and paid attention to the stress and burden that they had expectation wise. And they wanted a group of people to really help them feel like, you know, I'm not alone. There are older people who've been through this, and they can guide me. Many wish their parents spent more time with them. And this is, a you know, definitely a, a theme with immigrant families as well. But in Korean culture, because everything is 24-7, especially in New York City, um, you barely see your parents, especially your father. Many parents feel um, they work too hard and work too many hours and many interviews they wanted a relationship with their parents basically and felt they were too hard on them to excel in school. So for the children who are maybe not like Harvard level students, but their parents still wanted them to go to Harvard. So it was very hard for them to, to bridge that gap and it felt very stressful for them. Um, every single interview versus the Chinese interviews, they would say, Okay, so what do you what's what is it that your parents expect of you? And I kept a very open-ended question. I didn't use any specific targeted questions or leading questions. And I said, So what do your parents expect? Every single Korean person, male, said, I have to be a doctor or a lawyer. The Chinese uh, interviewees, the males, they would say, my parents want me to have a girlfriend, they want me to be happy, they want me to go to a accredited four-year college program, and they just want me to buy a house, and then they'll be happy for me. So not every Chinese parent, but a lot of the interviews that I interviewed with Chinese, who were Chinese-American, Never, none of them... Except for Taiwanese, said they have. To, I have to be a doctor or a lawyer. So it's very interesting. Some siblings, firstborn only sons, um, were je- jealous. So for the rest of their lives, they've had conflict with their siblings. If the son was treated better than the daughter, then they had conflict within themselves. So they didn't get along. So I I remember um, one of the interviewees said that. They went to, they, they're in their thirties and then um, they wouldn't even go on a family trip together to Hawaii because because he hated, like the sister hated him so much because he got all the attention growing up. So it's just never been the same. Okay, so I don't wanna go on. I have so much data, so it'll take forever. Does anyone have any questions? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. You sound like you were Assuming that the Koreans have families, sons, daughters, and parents, uh, have you had uh, some of the data on the people, uh, immigrants who do not have any families or you know, just uh, singles and uh, have poverty? And have you had some uh, interview or some research done?
1: For, for only sons? Only children, no uh,
2: children who live in poverty. No children, parents uh, coming here uh-huh. just by themselves. As uh-huh. immigrants. And as you had well, mm-hmm. working with the Asians, the Chinese, the Japanese? Yeah. There are a lot of them. You know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, do not have a children. You yours, your uh, theme is mm-hmm. a family here. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but the, those who do not have families, uh-huh. uh, what data do you uh, do you have any, you have any data?
1: in ter- in terms of caregiving yeah um I, I think the census only has how if you have if you're 65 and older who lives in a household who lives in a rented household who lives in a like a like a, a owner or somebody else owns a house and you <coughs> live there um but I don't really I'm not sure exactly you know I, I'm not, if you can clarify your question yeah. I But what happens to them you're saying
2: people living in a senior housing oh okay so So you're saying
1: people who are just
2: alone yeah by themselves Uh, no wife
1: no wife no husband or something like that well actually there there is there are trends and there were some Mm -hmm. articles in the Korean newspapers about and American ones about how Koreans who are all by themselves are going back to Korea because they have nowhere else to go and no one else to take care of them. They might not even have family back there, but they might feel like it's more comfortable or they might have friends they had when they were younger, but no one's still not going to take care of them, but they felt more comfortable because they had nothing else to do in America. And so that that's to me, that's a big high risk for suicide as well. I will say on, a, uh, on the other side of that, I, I spoke with Scott Yoon. He is a, a clinical social worker at Bergen Regional Hospital where they have a Korean nursing home unit and I'm sure some people know about it. It's all Korean and they have all Korean food. So it's in Bergen County, as you know. And he said that when, um, when the women, the, the wives go into the nursing home, the men visit more frequently The husbands because the husbands don't have as much support they don't have as many friends and they're devoted to their wives because that's all they have that's their support system but the women when the husbands are in the hospital in the nursing home the women don't visit as often as the men so it looks like women are bad right i'm just saying the women don't they're still busy with the grandchildren with the families with their other children who need help and support so the men are not going to be the same way busy but the women are really like, you know, okay, their husband's in there. They can't be there every day because they're needed everywhere else as well. So, interesting things of gender dynamics. But yeah, it's it's hard to be alone for sure. I mean, a lot of that's why people have children so that they can have at least some support. Any other thoughts or questions? Um, I mean, one
0: thing I realized is that I grew up in a that, but um, more of an observation mm-hmm. that um, it seems that what happens with a, little, a lot of, I mean, in my family and with a lot of the Koreans I know, is that there's different sets of values. And that came out in the beginning of what you were saying, that when people come from another country or another culture, that they're bringing certain expectations and values that they put on their children. and. Um, I experienced the same thing about education and what was expected, and you have to be a doctor or a lawyer, and how you know you're considered a failure if you're not, and, um, and and so on. And then when you have children in this country, they become very Americanized very quickly. And so what you were saying about um, you know in in uh, showing the clip is that sometimes parents are feeling or experiencing certain things. And that when the children become Americanized, they don't really understand. But the lack of understanding often goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So that the parents don't understand, why are my children doing this? And the children are thinking, why are my parents doing this? Right. So maybe I'm wondering if you have some advice as to how to open up that discussion so that the communication really moves be clearer as to what each of them means when they say certain things yeah well that was
1: a big problem when when I was at Flushing Hospital outpatient clinic a lot of the parents would tell me I had a couple whose daughter killed herself of suicide and they blamed each other of course it's horrible for any couple but they were just and they were like well you were too busy or you you put, you were so harsh on her and everything but there is was no um, dialogue the families did not have like a communication, open communication with each other, especially when the children were young because the parents were so so busy working to pay the bills and trying to acclimate to being here as immigrants that they lost the whole window of opportunity. So a lot of the parents, when their children went to college, the children would come back and the mothers or fathers would try to hug their children And the parents were like, okay, in Korea, we do this now. And the children were like, why are you hugging me? Because they never had it before. So it was really strange. So they're just, it wasn't something that they were used to. And so the lines of communication just weren't there before. It was just, I expect you to do well in school, you know, get to a good college. But they didn't add to that, I love you just for who you are. And I think that's part of what the dialogue has to be, because a lot of the, Students, I, I, I did a lot, I, I almost, um, I worked for almost a decade at, while I was doing all my um, PhD stuff, I worked at Stony Brook University Counseling Center. So all the students, with the Korean students and Ch- other Asian Chinese would say, my parents work too hard but we never talk. And not only that, they had a language barrier because the parents weren't speaking English, and the children were not speaking Korean because they didn't learn it, because their parents were too busy to teach them. And Korean school was kind of like, they said it was a joke. They barely went, they didn't understand. So they, the language barrier, the communication, the heart communication wasn't there. So a lot of recommendation of, of parents really sitting down with their kids and having quality time to talk. That's what the best thing that people were hoped to do. Thank you. Okay, if I'm done, I guess we'll get the next person to come. Thank you everyone.